minutes away from the boot of Rice. There's Gabriel. Oh, oh it went to Welcome to Whatever the Weather, another Arsenal podcast. Listener, you join us on Monday the 22nd of January, uh, just after Arsenal's emphatic 5-0 defeat of Crystal Palace at the Emirates Stadium, that wonderful 12.30 kickoff that can make or break your weekend. Uh, I'm joined <laughs> by James and by Dan. How are you guys doing? All right? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. So um, we're back in form by the looks of things. After a bit of a drop off, <laughs> bit of a stretch there to say back in form, but um, no, I'll, I'll give you that it was an emphatic win, much needed after the horrific winter break that we had. Um, yeah, it's not been like it's not been ideal. I mean, they you know back from Dubai, back from the back from the winter <clears> training in Dubai, all looking fresh. Um, yeah, can't really argue with that. Yeah, but we played um. Sorry, I don't even know what to say there. Um, it caught me off guard. Uh, it's so weird to be talking about an Arsenal win, isn't it? It is a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems. Um, no, we look, scored some. We, we scored we some goals, the, um, James. We scored some goals. We scored five of them. We did. Well, four yeah. if you, uh, you know, because obviously there was an open <laughs> goal given to. Uh, yeah, come on to that. Uh, to their goalkeeper, which was, I thought was quite harsh, actually. Was that given as an own goal? It was. Oh, yeah, it was I don't really understand. Don't really understand. Um, why did the name of the goalkeeper suddenly escape me? It was um, Henderson. Dean Henderson, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that's, he hasn't started that many games at Palace, has he actually? He's been injured. I know they had Sam Johnson in goal for. Anyway, that totally doesn't that's mean anything right. about anything. Well, it, was a, it, um, it just seemed really yeah. weird because I was always under the impression that if you had a shot and it was going in on the goal or mm. on target, the goal was given as yours. But obviously. Um, Arsenal it. players are not existent. No, we're not. We're not allowed that. If that was Marcus thing. Rashford. I'm sure. <laughs> <we didn't give laughs> well, it's funny it. actually because I watched well, Mohamed Salah, but you know, yeah, it's funny. I watched that back a couple of times just to just to be sure of exactly why it was given as an own goal. Um, it seemed that it was going in, and then Henderson sort of palmed it, and it and it went in. But yeah, as you say, I I thought, I thought it hit him in the back I, of the head, didn't it? Oh, was it one of those? Oh, okay. It was I the should, second one where Gabriel's head it. He's got his head to it. Yeah. The keeper was already on the floor, and I think it hit him in the back of the head. Uh, it was already okay. going in. That's fucking so, hard. Yeah. Because I remember really, where... really the... rubbish for my fantasy football team. Yeah. Well, also the place where I, the place in. where I was watching it, there were some guys who were like, "Oh, we've got bets on this." They were like, "Oh, it's gone as a known goal." I'm like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, it's what it is." Um, but yeah, Gabriel's first goal, uh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> excellent, uh, excellent assist from right. I mean, it's really nice. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about how we scored. You know, we we do well from set plays. Um, the Nicholas Jova effect. Yeah, <laughs> the the rice the 
the you know the the rice corner for Gabby's header was was excellent. Um, then again, also Saka's corner for um, for Henderson's own goal or Gabby's goal, <laughs> however you want to look at it. Um, it's really nice to see because you know I, I will say this: like I've seen a, like a lot of games recently. Whenever we've taken uh, corners, Saka's taken corners and they've come off the first man. Um, so yeah, it's it's actually nice to see that. Um, yeah, nice to see those go in. The thing um, with set pieces or with corners, particularly, is obviously it's a massive chagrin to most fans that, um, so often corners hit the first man. It could be, how can you be, how can you possibly a professional footballer and hit the, you can't even get it past the fucking first man? You are a disgrace, get out of our club, burn in hell, you know. Um, it's, it's that much of a sin. Um, Ultimately, I would, I would, and I'm just, you know, making this up on the spot, but I wonder how many corners are taken across the whole Premier League season. Let's, there must be thousands of corners. It must be into the thousands, sorry, of corners that are taken. You know, there's usually, what, 15, 20 a match? I don't know, something like that. Sure. Maybe that's a yeah. bit high. I mean, I know, actually, that is ridiculous. Probably not, probably not that high the, anymore. The point is, I mean, but the yeah, point is yeah. there are a lot of corners taken in every game across the whole league season, right? And how many of them result in goals? Probably not mm. that many. I'd be interested to what the percentage is. Well, um, also the percentage of those everyone... who hit the first man. I mean, if they, if, if, they yeah. hit the, if they hit the first man and it's your team defending, you're not complaining about that. That's just good defending. Yeah. So, I think, um, yeah. but they're obviously, they're obviously taken to go in that area for a reason, because that's obviously because that's the uh, opportunity to score the most where you get the near post flick on or something like that. You know, there's, where everything is analysed the absolute nth degree I'm sure that the players are told to aim it at, at that near post area or whatever where, where, the, where the, you beat the first man and, and whatever um, and your chance of scoring a goal are higher um, I was just going to say that you know I think set pieces are obviously something that's really a lot of time is spent coached on them the goal return from corners isn't actually that high across the league or in football in general when you think how many there are and how many opportunities you get to score from them. And that's because teams obviously work hard at defending them and as, as much as teams work hard at attacking them. Um, but it is a sign of generally a really well-coached team when you are good at keeping them out and even better at putting them in. And we obviously are. So, yeah, fair fair props to Nicholas Jova. He deserves his flowers this weekend, which I think oh, he, absolutely. he rightly yeah, yeah. got. Um, <laughs> and you know what? There's a lot of criticism for this team for how we are we function from an attacking point of view. But obviously the uh, the set pieces are doing their job. And as last time I checked, a goal from a set piece means exactly the same or counts <laughs> exactly the same as a 30-yard shipping. So, you know, yeah. absolutely. all good. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was a fantastic goal by Gabby. Um, you know, really got in there. It was brilliant. Um so shortly before this is uh so shortly before the, the that second corner, Raya did something, and we've spoken about Raya, Ramsdale, that whole thing before. Raya did something that really wound me up, which is he he just he you know just he just boots the ball out and it just goes straight to it was to uh to Lama, wasn't it? Um who immediately had like a really good, really good uh good opportunity to score. Um however, Raya mm -hmm. did kind of make amends for that. Um, with that lovely little pass out to uh, lovely little throw out rather to uh, to Jesus, who everyone I was watching the game with thought that it was Saka because he was out there on the run, which is quite. Funny. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Ryan misplacing that pass—that's going to happen with ball playing goalkeepers, right? 
Mm. Edison does it. Allison does it. It's going to happen. But listen, Dan, Dan my issue was it with it was more the fact that I've seen it f- almost like for like. I've seen that exact same pass out. Um, onto guys, the, onto, onto, yeah, guys, guys, this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. We cannot keep talking every single fucking podcast about about Ryan David Raya with the in the backdrop of Aaron Ramsdale and vice versa. It was going that way. It was going that way. Listening. Yeah, you know yeah, it as well as I do. You know what? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, bowl out that set, to, set us on the counter attack. Fantastic. For, yeah. um, Gabriel Jesus to break away. Mm. And then what happened next? Squared it to that man, Leandro Trossard, who was in bad form. Yeah. And um, he did what he needed to do and put the boy in the back of the net. Very good. Yeah, the emphasis Very on good, was it. Really the nice. emphasis was the emphasis, either, the emphasis being on was his bad form. Um was in bad form. Uh that was a very cool, very coolly taken goal. He needed know, that, abs- didn't he? Absolutely. He needed that. I think and... a lot of people have been questioning him in the false in the uh in, in the false eight, in the uh, left eight, and his impact in the team. Obviously, we we mentioned in the last pod that it seems to be that he's the like for like sub with Martinelli. And obviously, I think Trossard started out left in this game. But he, if you, if you play him and he doesn't score, I mean, he actually we spoke about set pieces. Leandro Trossard has been guilty of putting in some of the worst set pieces I've ever seen Arsenal have ever. Real, real diabolical corners and, and free kicks. But um, you know what? He needs his goal. And when you, he's a player, he reminds me a lot of Freddie Lundberg actually. In that you don't necessarily necessarily see him a lot in the build up, but you always see him in that the cutting edge, like in the box. Um, he's found his, I certainly he's found his way last there. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, he's just got a real knack of getting in the box and he's he seems like a, quite a natural finisher. I wouldn't mind betting he's probably one of the better finishers in the club. So yeah, yeah I mean, really a, good to see him score. Yeah, he had a really good chance earlier on as well. Um, from, yeah, again, another pass another pass from uh, from Jesus. Just it was a sighter. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's clear that Trossard is technically very good as a footballer. Um but as you guys say, he's not been at his best these past few weeks. And um yeah, it was nice to see him score. I mean, a game kind of covers I didn't think he was that great the rest of the game either, though, personally. Um, but I'm gl- so glad he scored and hopefully that does his confidence a world of good and he can kick on from that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk about uh, squad depth, you know. There was a few players just, that, you know, you know I thought played really well and deserves a mention i thought ben white was was really good mm. um a lot better than what he has been also i thought zinchenko was really good i know he misplaced one pass mm. um i think but well, um, apart, from, <laughs> apart from that i think he looked really good um i said david ryan not to come back to it too often but i thought yeah i think that was probably his best game in an arsenal shirt mm. um Oh no, well, that's the thing. I wasn't. I wasn't sort of trying to. No, no, no. I'm know. just saying. I'm just yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying in general. I'm just pointing out. You know, yeah. players. No, he definitely thought... had a very good game. I can't, yeah, yeah. I can't and argue um, that. you know, it, I know this is going to be weird to say, but and I know it's five nil. There's no complaints about the scoreline. It's not a problem. But I still don't think we were at our fluid attacking best. I know that's going to sound weird considering we won five nil, but. Do you think that speaks more to the the opponent than it does to us? I, Do you know what I mean? If we, I don't you know. know. I, I don't well, know. If we'd beaten Man City 5-0, you'd probably be saying something different. 
No. No, I mean, well, I'd like to look <laughs> at the performance as a whole. As I said, if you do look at the goals, two, two of the goals were set pieces, right? Which, mm. again, they all count, right? Fucking take them. But they're not indicative of our attack in play, right? Um, in open play. And then two of the goals were in stoppage time, 95th and 96th minute, right? So Super sub, super sub Martinelli. Yeah, yeah. who looked yeah. on, uh, you know, came on, looked very lively and took his two goals really well. The first one, the finish was exquisite and it was really pleased to see because he's someone that needs that. And those are the type of areas we need to be getting him in to get the best out of him. And we just haven't been doing that. If you notice, him, him and Saka have been hogging the touchlines too much. We need to get them more central. And I think Martinelli in those positions showed what he can do. Um, but my point being is that, so two set-peak goals and two goals in stoppage time. I, you know, as I said, 5-0, happy days, stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd be hesitant to say that we're back. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly... A thanks, great... for, thanks for raining on our parade, man. No, <laughs> but it's a, it's, it's a great step in the right direction. That's what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a it's great totally. step in the right direction, much needed, five uh, goals. Do you know what, some, something, I re- something I really loved about the the first uh, the first Martinelli goal was the was the assist from uh, from Eddie from Enketia. See, was, I uh, thought I thought was... the Jorginho assist. Was oh no, no, no! Better. I was going to come onto that too. Yeah, <laughs> and and again uh, with Jorginho, yeah, yeah. whenever he's come on, he's looked really good, and he and I really I think he's done really well. Um, I, he's pushing for a starting spot for me especially in those bigger games where we need to have more control of the ball. He he just, his technique, his passing ability is just really, you know, What's really the thing needed. about experienced players, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was really pleased. And I, as I mentioned on a previous pod, I think the midfield looks more balanced with the Jorginho, Rice and Odegaard mm. uh, midfield. Yeah, Rice yeah. in that eight and having Jorginho just sitting there. But Rice obviously doing the legwork for him. I think it's a good balance and it's something we should probably look at doing more because although Havertz didn't have, I don't think had a bad game at all by any stretch, he didn't have a good game either. It was just a blur game. Yeah, it was an interesting one actually because I'm sort of looking at um, sort of rewatching it. It's his sort of positioning is, I think it kind of speaks not exactly volumes, but. Um, um, Arteta took him off. <laughs> Arteta took him off and brought on Smith Rowe in the 69th minute. So, yeah, and and I'm I'm one, seeing people it's saying fantastic to see Smith Rowe back. Um, absolutely, yeah. You know that's brilliant. Uh, but two, it's good. I like to see it when Mikel just sort of says, "Okay, well, if this isn't working, let's do something different," which we don't see all that often. He doesn't um, do that enough, does he? That's what we were saying. No, in the last no, podcast. not at all. Not at all. Um, and actually, the subs that the subs that he made actually worked worked out really well. So you were just talking about Jorginho's um, Jorginho's assist uh, to to Gabriel. Um, you know, Jorginho was bought on the seventy third minute. Yeah, I think you yeah. Know, so Rice, right, he was kind of forced into that because Rice started feeling something in his hamstring, which is not good. And hopefully, that's not not a serious thing. And we took him off in time before he caused any more damage, but. I said, Jorginho as an option is, you know, I'm really pleased with it. And, you know, in the summer, 
if it, you know, we've got El Nenny and Jorginho, I'm, I'm happy to have Jorginho as that backup number six. I think he adds to the squad. He has experience. And I, I don't think he's put too much of a foot wrong apart from that mistake against Tottenham, which was horrible. Um, would you, um, would you uh, take up the one year extension on, option on Jorginho? I, I would personally. I think he's, he's done, you know, I think he's been one of our better sign-ins from Chelsea, yeah, if not the uh, best. Well, if you go through them, there aren't that many that have been good, are they? So, well, I know, yeah, that's probably know, not saying you know much. <laughs> but but now still, not necessarily time to go through all those signings. But they're not. No, no, I was, I wasn't literally. I, saying I, I, I would, I would, one hundred percent, I echo what you said. Then I would, I would extend Jorginho. I think he's a brilliant player to have in the squad. Really, this is a player that came third in the Ballon d'Or about. Three years, two years ago, three years ago, something like that. I think he's, you know, he's never been blessed with pace, so he doesn't. He's not going to miss that because he hasn't lost anything. He's not the biggest physical um, midfielder, but he never has been. He's just a brilliant ball retention, as you said previously, press resistant um, technical player. I think he adds a hell of a lot to this team. Um, Passing through the lines as well. One of the things that you know um, really struck me with this game. I mean, look, it was. Uh, you've got to caveat it all a little bit by saying that it's Crystal Palace. They've got, I think, what two wins in seventeen or something like that. Um, so they're not exactly in in great form. Um, but low block, Roy Hodgson team, um, low block. That pisses me off. A deeply defensive right, uh, right. Crystal Palace team <laughs> uh, who put who parked the bus. Um, Going to be difficult. One of the things that I've, I've noticed that from Liverpool, what they do um, when they they break. Uh, beat teams that are defending deep is they go quite direct um they use the ball over the top for Nunes and Salah and, and Jota and against um Bournemouth yesterday they were they were um when the ball was in midfield they were looking for quick um transitions like passing through the lines and I think with us sometimes our plays a little bit too measured and certainly I'm not going to get on Declan Rice's back because I think he's been an outstanding signing but there is a lot of um there's a lot more lateral movement than vertical movement. And I think with Jorginho, he brings that, you know, vertical direct passing and he set, you know, he'll, he set Martinelli through a couple of times. He set um, Enketia through Gabriel Jesus. And I think that's something we need more of. It quickens the tempo of the game. It puts other teams on the back foot. I, I, if you said to me that Jorginho was going to start more games now than not between now and the end of the season in the league, I would, I'd be quite very, 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 very comfortable with that. Um, I think yeah. that's what we've missed with Thomas Partey because Thomas Partey tends to get the ball in the half turn, drives forward a couple of yards and then passes it forward. And I think although Declan Rice is good at doing the carrying side of things and retaining possession, I think we do need that cutting edge a little bit. And hopefully that will free up um, Martin Odegaard a bit because I thought cons- cons- consequentially, big word there, <laughs> I, Nicely, thought, I thought, I thought mate. that... I thought that once Jorginho was on the pitch, I actually thought Martin Odegaard played a lot, lot better. But that might just be me. But I know yeah. I prefer that balance. As I said, this I think Rice in that midfield alongside Jorginho, all those attributes you mentioned that he lacks and has never had really, Rice has those in abundance. You know, he has pace, he has strength, has power, he has mm. defensive reading of the game. And yeah, and I think it adds to balance, and then that allows Odegaard to go and do his thing. Um, no, really pleased, and I said, be happy to have uh, Jorginho for another year. Yeah, um, oh, no, I'd definitely say, yeah, no question. 
I have to say as well, it kind of it does a little bit frustrate me that we haven't used him more earlier on in the season. And I do wonder, I wonder if there is something that Mikel, and maybe I'm uh, overanalyzing this a little bit in my mind, but I wonder no, if... No, that's not like you. I, I no, nah, I've never heard yeah, such a thing. I, I do wonder if, because obviously the last two seasons where we've we've struggled physically in the second half of the season, um, I do wonder if that we've kind of tried to keep something in reserve a little bit to really mm, have a push. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder that. I, 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 maybe maybe not, because look, you've got to try and win it, the game that's in front of you. But I do wonder... I do wonder if that if something like that has been at play because I do think, particularly with Thomas Party being made of flipping a rich tea biscuit, um, <laughs> I do think that 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 you don't want to you don't want to yeah you don't want to over you don't want to overuse Jorginho or overburden Jorginho in the early part of the season, and then not have him fresh and firing in the second half of the season when you really are going to need him. So I do wonder if that's why we've been kind of we've used the habits. Um, Rice combination more often, but I don't, know. I don't know. I find it so strange that we're talking about Jorginho being an important member of the Arsenal squad. <laughs> like, no, seriously, like two no, years ago, yeah, three yeah. years ago. Can you imagine? I, I, I yeah. didn't I didn't like the bloke. I didn't rate the mm. bloke. I didn't think it was all that. Ferdinand Ballon d'Or thought was absolute farcical. <laughs> um, we were linked with him, though, when he was at Napoli. We were linked with yeah, Brian. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. We went to Chelsea. It was just the money The money boys come in again, the blood money yeah. from Russia. And I don't know if in again. you know, I only saw him sporadically in the odd Chelsea game or when Chelsea were playing against us. Mm. And now that I've seen him on a more regular basis, I actually see what he can provide for a team, mm. what he actually does and what he's good at and been really impressed with him. So I'm starting to see why he was so... You know, he's so decorated in his career, what they right? did, yeah. Exactly. I think one but... of I think the only thing and the, the like the final point on Jorginho would be that I definitely think you've got to put him with someone. You can't yeah. you know, he's got to be partnered up well. And I think certainly towards the end of last season, him and Jacka just didn't have the legs. Mm. So I definitely think if you can get Jorginho with either a Partey or a Rice, um, you know, I, I think that's a that's a good balance. Hopefully yeah, Declan Rice's injury is, is he can manage that and, and get through and, and we'll have party back at the end of Feb or middle of Feb. And then we can kind of like go again. But um do you really think that? What they'll have party back. Yeah. No, I don't think it. I'm I <laughs> part in my mind, part of me thinks he'll probably never kick a ball ever again for us. I just think it would I just right. hope, I just hope that if party let's just say party does come back and put a run of games together, I just hope it it actually matters. It means something for us that we are still within touching distance or we're still in the Champions League. We've still got something to play for, mm. um, which I'm sure we will. 100%. Yeah. So yeah, basically, yeah. we haven't fucked it yet by the time he mm. gets back. I think no. the biggest things out of this Palace game, let's let's be really honest. I said earlier on, two wins in 17. Mm. You spoke to me before the game. I don't really care about the style of football. We need to win. We need to score yep. a few goals and we need to get some players back in form. And I think three big ticks on that front. Three big ticks. We needed tr- to get Trossard on. The, the only kind of negative would be, you'd, you, I suppose, ideally, you'd want to swap one of those Gabby goals for a mm. Gabriel Jesus goal. Um, but Gabriel Jesus, yeah. I thought his overall game was really good, to be honest. He was yeah. he was involved. Um, mm. He was making things happen. He had he's good not, movement. He's a, stri- you know, he's, a strike, he's a striker who doesn't score goals, James. 
doesn't yeah. score many goals. No, I, <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I like him. Many I really goals. like him. I've, I've said before yeah, in this no podcast, too, you know, too. he's all right yeah. by me. I think he's a, a quality player. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. He's not as cutting edge as perhaps we would like. And I think, you know, the conversation in pods is going to turn a lot more now from the goalkeeping conundrum to mm. the striking dilemma. I can definitely see that being <laughs> a thing. Um, You're saying that's where we're going. We, we you know, we go from the gods. It's 100% yeah, where yeah. we're going. But you know what? In the meantime... If Gabriel Jesus, and like we said on last week's pod, if Kai Havertz, if they can do the Firmino role and it can allow Bakaya Saka, hopefully, to get back in form and it can allow Gabriel Martinelli to get back in form, which those two goals will do him the world of good, and uh, Leandro Trossard, then um, then I think we might be all right. Yeah. Gabriel Magalhaes had a good game, didn't he? He's had a good season so far. Yeah. He's just um, done... Uh, he just. He Again, does. What... Palace in it. He didn't yeah. have to do much, but what yeah. he did have to do, he did well. But he, he does. It, it, it was just a typical uh, Gabriel performance for me. Did did the basics well? Defended really well. Did the bit of the dirty work. Saliba was there to make it look all pretty because he's a yeah, yeah. you know. Well, come on, player. those two together. Come on, but that's what I mean. It's, it's like yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant. Yeah, and I nice think that's to what see I've... Smith throw back, wouldn't it? Oh, mate. I think a lot of people are very glad to he's glad to see him. Well, just to see him back, just see him there. <laughs> well, no, I, I, we've, we've seen you him know. there. We've just seen him there on the sidelines. But I think to get yeah. a good twenty minutes under his belt would do him the world of good. Mm. And hopefully, if he becomes an option, interesting that there was a few murmurs of West Ham wanting him. Yeah, well, I've heard. Yeah, there was that. It was West Ham. There's also Newcastle, but I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I still going... think if a significant bid came in for him. Mm. 30 million plus in this January window we sell I, I think Dan to be totally honest with you I think for any of our homegrown players the situation that we're in with FFP unless they're named Bakayo Saka you've got to think about it I mean I did I did I did read something interestingly on Saturday actually that was um, that we're, we're working in the background that uh, Matthias De Ligt from Bayern Munich um and it's, we've been long-term admirers of him because it's a, actually that there's concern that um, Big Gary Magalhaes is uh, fond of a pound note and wouldn't wouldn't be against going to Saudi, which obviously he, it, that was quite protracted in the summer. I don't know. I mean, if, if someone whacks down 50, 60, 70 million for any of our players, you've got to have a think about it, I suppose. Yeah, certainly. But I mean, I don't know, actually, the Saudi, the Saudi thing, I guess we can talk about in you know greater detail. I think what's happened with Jordan Henderson in terms of Saudi and him going out there and obviously looking for the dollar and sort of finding that actually this kind of sucks. I want out of here, I think actually might hopefully prove an impetus to other players to be like, you know what? It doesn't look like it's worth it. Like, I don't think it is. It's not I a good look. I it's don't not a good look for anyone, is it? rules everything not... around me. Dollar, he... dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> but he's just not, he's not, covered himself. he's not covered himself in glory by doing that. And I think that might hopefully kind of be a warning signal to other players who might be thinking of doing a similar thing. Because I don't imagine for a second that Jordan Henderson was going to go there for four years. I think he was only ever going to go there for a short period of time, make some money and come back. But as I say, he's not covered himself in glory. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. It's the I'll things he said. That. It's the things he said as well. It's like he's going over there to help build the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, yeah. make a difference, all of this shit. Mm. 
and he's going there to get paid boy yeah, yeah exactly and then, and then six months in you're like yeah do you know what? that was a bit hard and a bit shit i don't yeah, really yeah, fancy yeah. that anymore oh don't it, get me wrong it's, I'm not, it's, a, it's I, not a good look for anyone it's not yeah, a good look for Jordan Henderson. the impact it would have on the family didn't he i, I think mm. i think that's the bigger thing graham at, at play is not the because everyone wants the money gives you freedom to do mm. what you want and you know and all that and we don't really need to go into that but i think obviously yeah. the impact moving to the middle east will have on your family who've basically spent their whole lives living in the north of England. Well, yeah, it's exactly. It's quite a change, and, isn't it? Well, yeah, they were, yeah, they were living in Bahrain, <laughs> weren't they? So, yeah, well, either way, yeah, I mean, whoever, he was still, whatever he was actually happened having to... The Middle to, East uh, is very... Yeah, yeah exactly. It was anyway, big, my, my, big, point on, my point on this was not to suggest that, that Gabriel is somehow, you know, uh, holier than thou and he's not going to take up that choice, but I, not to, you know, I don't want to, to spend, you know, our Arsenal pod talking about uh, Jordan Henderson. My point was more that you know he i don't know it just sort of i don't think that people are going to be as swayed by that as as they once were um i, disagree. I think where money comes know. into it anyone's everyone's got their uh well, I suppose their attention so. their ears are pricked i think and i don't yeah, blame them maybe, i don't maybe. blame them it's a short career you're not you know let's be mm. honest gabriel mabohai she's not an arsenal fan mm. um he'll do what's best for him and his family yeah. i mean it just i just floated that because when when dan was saying about uh, offers coming in for our players I mean, I do think it's it's one thing West Ham coming in for a loan bid for Emil Smith Rowe with a potential option or obligation to buy. It's another thing if they whack down forty million on the table and say, right, mm. let's 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 talk Turkey. And I think if they did, I think then we've got a decision to make because ultimately, as much as we all love Smith Rowe, and I don't doubt that if the whole Arsenal fan base loves Emil Smith Rowe, if he's not playing, that's a depreciating yeah, yeah, yeah. asset, and we are going to need reinforcements in the summer and. Um, we need mm. to keep ourselves in 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 line with FFP and the, sure. the s- sustainability rules. I mean, if it's if it's if it's a loan with an option, then I'd be more open to that than than the. But the option injury is good as gone. Yeah, because the, know, the, op- the option well, yes. effectively just means <laughs> if you play a number of games, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's the same situation we have with um, uh, Senor Raya. So yeah, not that we want to go over that again. Just. Listen, no, we, we definitely don't. Know, I suppose uh... one thing as well, the one thing that I think would be the kind of final thing I'll say with uh, the FFP thing mm. on this episode, this particular episode, um, and, and sales of players, is that one of the reasons why you would look at smelly, selling Smith-Rowe, smelling Smith-Rowe, selling Smith-Rowe, I'm sure he smells absolutely divine, um, but one of the reasons you'd look at selling him is because obviously as a youth product, for the accounting books, it would be pure profit. Um, and there's been a lot of talk today in the news about Newcastle selling players. And I just wonder if that potentially could open up a can of worms. Because if I was Tim Lewis or anyone on the Arsenal board who's got some sort of legal background, I would be looking at potentially pointing the finger at Newcastle, who are leaning on their um, ownership from the Saudi investment fund um, to buy themselves out of Dodge. So I think that maybe financial fair play or the sustainability rules, um, bearing in mind that I'm expecting Everton to appeal. I think there's rumours that Nottingham Forest and Everton are going to try and um, appeal the charges that they've they've been brought against them recently. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a big rehash of these rules because these rules, interestingly enough, are voted on by the 20 Premier League clubs. So they've all voted for this themselves. Um so they can all undo it themselves. It's, it's interesting how the stakeholders in the Premier League work. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if um, 
it didn't come to that. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I personally, for me, I think we've got what ten days left of the transfer window, eight days left of the transfer window, something like that. Yeah, well, um, something I was. If I, I, I don't think there's much is going to happen. No, for well, us I was going to say I, I find it interesting that you've been reading about this because I've, I've basically just knocked it off my radar. I've not been looking at transfer stuff at all. Um, and there's ordinary... not much going on. Well, there's not. It's, just, it's as quiet as it's been. I think like, teams are absolutely you know. shit. Obviously, what's happened to Everton? Teams are, absolutely, are really shit scared. I think the only team that can do anything, it, or and have, was Tottenham because they obviously sold Harry Kane for pure profit because he's a youth product or was a youth product for ninety odd million, and they've obviously bought in. Um, they bought in the, the central defender and they've bought in uh, Timo Werner on loan which probably cost them a few quid. But otherwise, I think everyone else is kind of pretty hamstrung with Bidal. Yeah. I don't know, which also, in a sense, doesn't necessarily seem... I don't know. It, in a way, it doesn't seem like such a terrible thing to me. I, I find a lot of the time with football, when you start talking, people start obsessing about transfers. It starts becoming becoming very boring, you know, and it just sort of goes round and round in circles. Um it's, it's yeah. weird. It, no one's going to be happy with the team or their squad. There's always going to need something else, you know. There's always one more player or two more players that you need, and then you can kick on and win. It's never going to be a perfect squad. It's never going to be a perfect team. It's just the way it is. You can improve the team as best you can, but you're always going to miss something here or there. City, we say that they've got, you know, a great squad and stuff like that. They've got a good 15, 16 players. They're the rest of their squad, if you've seen their benches sometimes, that you know, they're playing guys like Oscar Bob and you know, people like that. So it, very highly thought of young player, Maria, though, and it cost them money hit. at yeah. youth level. So it wasn't like no, 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 he's but, just some bum. But my no, I'm not saying <laughs> that. But what I'm saying is Yeah, and that actually Sony, that's something No, 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 you're missing my... you, but um because I'm not missing your point at all, because I, I do think you make a good point that they're not strong. And I definitely think I would agree with you that I think if you spoke to a City fan, I'm pretty sure City fans would be like, oh, we need that one more. You know, we're a bit light here or we need this or we need that. And I think that's probably the gist of what you're saying. Yeah, essentially that. And so with this January window, it's all been focused on Arsenal need a striker. We fucking need to bring in a striker immediately. Let's bring in Ivan Tony. paid 100 million. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? So... Stop doing that. Oh, so well, it, then it's probably what not about, gonna happen. What about do this? What about bringing Vlahovic for 50 million? Well, that's not going to happen either. So let's not do that. Even though it's abundantly clear we need another striker, we need another option and stuff like that. To me, that looks like a summer thing. And I, I'm kind of glad that the window's closing soon. So we can just stop with the we need this, we need that. The expectation levels of some people is just unrealistic. It'd be interesting. <laughs> Uh, when you speak about the Ivan Tony thing, Dan, I think you, unless you've been living under a rock, um, I don't think you really appreciate what the Arsenal fan base is like. The talk of a striker <laughs> is not going to go away just because the transfer window is closed. Yeah. This is all you're going to hear now until we actually do sign some form of striker. Hmm. Um, I'm, I make you absolutely right. I think it is a job for the summer. Um, I do think we do need to address it and we will need to bring in a striker and some attacking yeah. reinforcements for sure. That may not even be a striker. It might be another winger. Um, but yeah. I agree. I think, I think it will be something for the summer. But if you're, if you're thinking that that talk's going to go away, I think you're being quite... Whispering. No, it's, I'm just, <laughs> it just means that, you know, it's like, go on, Arsenal, do something, you know, now. Get it done now. Well, when the window closes, we can't do anything about it now. We've got our squad. 
let's just fucking focus on the rest of the season and see where we go. Like I do think as well, if even so, just on that, I do think as well the the way that the media seems to work and are obsessing with even Tony and his you know return. I mean, the guy put a fucking couple of spread bets on, and it's like a, the return of Jesus or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people have come back from worse. <laughs> things and don't get heralded at all you know people have had mm. some some real life changing things happen to them um but the narrative for him is definitely going to be a why did arsenal not buy him and then b if we don't win the league or we don't win the champions league or we don't have the season that we all want it's going to be well they should have bought even time yeah yeah they yeah, should have yeah. bought even oh, time course, you yeah. can see look what he's done he's hit the ground running he's done mm. this he's done that yeah i, I think... actually i don't think arsenal should buy even i don't think that even tony thing is even an option at the moment he's just mm. had Eight and a half months out of football, yeah. there is no way Arsenal can drop 70, 80 million on him when he's barely played in that time. And there is a question mark over his temperament, whether you like it or not, there is. I think you've got to let him see this season out with Brentford and then you assess the kind of market and everything. Well, yeah, I mean, in the summer, he's got one year left on his contract. So, you know, that gives you a bit more negotiating power. Mm. Um, you're not as that because January signings. I wouldn't say are a form of desperation, but I was literally going to say they seem desperate. It's much like, like you know, we need we need a striker in. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I mean. So, and they don't have to sell. Brentford don't have to sell even Tony in the, in January. Um, so you get to the summer and see where the land lies with it. But then by that time, there could be other strikers available. Whatever it is I, I said, I'm a fan of Ivan Tony and great option. If we were to to get him, I'd, I'd welcome him in. But but for 70, 80 million for a 27, 28 year old. Well, do you know what? That's about, that's what I was about to say. I think, do you guys think that if, if even Tony were like 23, 24, um, even leaving aside buying him in, in, you know, this window, because I, I agree with you both, I don't think it's the time to do it. Um, if he were 23, 24, and we were talking about buying him in the summer, I don't think there'd be a question mark over it. I think it's those couple of extra years that you, I think it's one of those, you drop that much money on him at that age, you're not getting that money back. So you have to win leads. You have to make it count. If he's there for three years, four years, you're getting the best years of him. You're not going to get that 67 million pound investment back. So you have to win. You have to. Um, 23, 24 year old player, you know, you might, you know, good few seasons, you could see a return on that or even a, a profit. Yeah. I mean, Declan but, Rice just turned 25, right? So that, um... if, uh, if, if Tony were 23, 24 and, you know, then it'd yeah, cost I a think... lot more money, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. So, do you know what? Yeah. I think actually, to be honest, I think Dan, I, I make Dan absolutely right on that. You know what? I think, um, I don't, I actually don't think the age is the question at all. I think the question is, is that you cannot get that wrong. You know, we're not an oil-backed club that have endless amounts of money. If you, if Arsenal are going to drop a hundred million pounds on a player, it has to work. We've, 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 we spend an exorbitant amount of money on. Um, I'm really struggling with my enunciation this evening. Um, we sent a huge amount of money on um, Nicolas Pepe, and it didn't work, and it set the club back. It, it, it cost us financially for a while, um, and then the Cronkies have had to dip their hands in their pockets to kind of get us moving again. Um, and we bought Declan Rice and it was a bit of a no-brainer signing. We all knew how good he would be. But look, we've spent £65 million on Kai Havertz and the jury's out. Let's be honest. You can't afford to do that again with another the strike. Whoever Arsenal buy, be it Victor Osimhen, even Tony, 
Alexander Isak, whoever it may be, it has to work and it has to work straight away. And it has to be the signing that takes us to the next level. It has to be, you know, we often, we, we quote Virgil van Dijk and Alisson to Liverpool, but it has to be of that type. It has to be the signing that helps you overthrow Man City. That's not to say we will win the league if, if we sign even Tony, but even Tony has to come in and get have a 20 goal season yeah. return. He can't come in and just be okay. You know, mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is that his pedigree, he's 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 Premier League proven in that he scored goals in a, in a in a modest team, but he hasn't, I suppose it's a different type of pressure that you have at Brentford leading the line for them to keep them up versus what it would be of Arsenal. It's potentially the step to Champions League, international football. And I suppose, I suppose the answer is you don't really, until you try it, you're never going to know. And that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? You don't know how people are going to adapt mentally and what they're going to do. But the question mark, as I said, over even Tony's temperament is that in the small environment in Brighton, he's had quite a severe fuck up. You know, now is he a gamble, <laughs> gambleholic or not? Uh, sorry, Brentford, apologies. He might have had a severe fuck up in, you know, he might be suffering with an addiction to gambling or, or whatever. I don't know. But he had that tweet video that came out um, three years ago when yeah. someone asked him, who'd you play for? And he's like, it's only fucking Brentford. And, you know, he, there's been a few things with him where, you know, there's a little question mark and it would be, well, can he cope at Arsenal? And do you know what? I'm not really, when, well, none of us are really old enough or aware of quite what it was like when we signed Ian Wright. Um, that was right at the start of our, of our Arsenal supporting um, lives. But I'm sure there was those question marks over his temperament because he was of a similar age when we signed him of Crystal Palace. Um, and there were similar question marks over him and look how well it worked. So I'm not yeah. saying we shouldn't sign even Tony because of that. But it does bring a, a level of risk because we have spent money on other strikers in the past or other players in the past with big expectation and it, it just hasn't quite worked out. So that's the risk you take and we'll be measured with it. And I don't think we should be rushed into that at all. Completely agree. You've been listening to Whatever the Weather, another Arsenal podcast. With me, your producer Graham, Andrew James and Dan. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple.